Hallelujah. So we're continuing on with our series, Away Through the Wilderness. And uh, the title of my message tonight is Classic Rock Hits. I remember my dad, we used to drive around in a Tarago. It was like the flashiest car I'd ever I thought this car's the best. It had a moonroof, which is better than a sunroof because you can stand out of that roof and, uh, you know, wave at people and stuff. So we had this moonroof. We were pretty classy back then in 1983. And uh, my dad would listen to some station, who knows what it was, triple something or this or that, and um, they would say, playing classic rock hits, you know, in a deep voice usually. Like, classic rock hits coming at you. But tonight the uh, we're going to talk about some different rock hits. And uh, if we could turn to... The book of Exodus chapter 17 and go to one uh, starting at verse 1 and sorry to uh, make it like Catholic Church but could we stand again and for the reading of the word if you don't know what I mean you've never been to a Catholic Church there's a lot of standing up sitting down standing up sitting down stand up sit down it's a good workout um, not much good in truth but um exodus chapter 17 verse 1 says and all the congregation of the children of israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the lord and pitched in rephidim and the word rephidim in hebrew means resting place so this was a place that they had come to rest but there was no water there for the people to drink Wherefore the people did chide with Moses or complained with Moses or, or whinged to Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide with ye with me? Wherefore do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us? And our children and our cattle with thirst. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people and take with thee the elders of Israel and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thine hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb. And Horeb means desert in Hebrew, a wilderness, an empty place. And thou shalt smite the rock or hit the rock. And there shall come out of it water that people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of that place Massah which in Hebrew means temptation and Meribah which in Hebrew means contention because of the chiding of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord saying is the Lord among us or not hallelujah let us pray dear heavenly father we thank you for your word tonight Lord Jesus I pray Lord that you would anoint me Lord to bring your message Lord Jesus anoint our hearts as well in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. 
Our key text, though, is verse number 6, which says, Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock. Say, smite the rock. Smite the rock. You ever smitten someone? <laughs> Hope not. Sometimes we say we're, we're smitten. We're hit, we're hit with love, but this wasn't a hit of love. This was a violent hit, violent against that rock at least. And there shall come out of it water that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. This situation occurs about one and a half months into the Israelites' exodus journey out of Egypt. So it's quite early on. Because we know that they're on this journey for how long? 40 years. 40 years. So I know how long 40 years is, unfortunately. So it's a long time. They're on a long journey. If I was thinking that for 40 years of my life I was living in tents and wandering around deserts, that would be uh, a rough life perhaps. But uh, this was their life. This was what they were doing. And this is only one, one and a half months into this journey. And they had taken up rest at this place, this place called Rephidim. But there was no water there for them to drink. It was just a desert. It was just a place that was dry and barren. And sometimes in our journey with God, we, we come across a place that's dry and barren. We come across a place where there doesn't seem to be any comfort, even though we're stopping there because remember that they're following the cloud they're following the fire by night so they've come to this place to rest yet there's no water there's nothing to drink and then they start to complain and they start to almost get violent towards Moses they're chiding towards him they, they, they uh, almost want to overthrow his leadership because they can't understand why they were delivered from Egypt, where although they were in slavery, they still had water to drink, they still had food to eat, and as bad as it was, they had their needs met. But God will never leave us, amen, without supplying our, our needs. He'll never leave us or forsake us. And we have heard already, in uh, as we go through this theme, this theme of um, a way through the wilderness we've already heard the messages about how they had the the craving the graves of craving how they uh, wanted to to eat and they, they were getting fed manna the wafer that came to them but they were sick of this all-carb diet and they wanted some protein and so they cried out to God they complained and uh, God gave them quail but even when they got the quail, they were greedy and they, they, went, they went overboard with the quail and they started, um, uh, you know, getting gluttonous with the quail. They were taking too much at once and they, they were even sick and so forth. But, and God punished them for that. We also see, have heard about the importance of following the cloud and not the crowd. You know, how it's important to follow the Spirit of God and not necessarily just what the latest trend is or what's trending on social media or what the latest hashtag is or whatever the latest 
fad is or whatever the latest uh, political concept may be or whatever the latest zeitgeist. Does everyone know what the word zeitgeist means? Zeit, it's a German word. Geist means ghost or spirit. Zeit means time. So it means the spirit of this time. Whatever the spirit of this time is, we can't follow that. We need to follow the Holy Spirit. Amen? We need to follow after the Holy Ghost, not after whatever is the spirit of this time. And you'll notice within a time, there seems to be a certain pervading attitude, a prevailing attitude, something that seems to be overriding, something that seems to be the theme of the time. And that's your zeitgeist. That's the spirit of this time. We need not follow that, but we need to follow the Word of God. We need to follow after the Spirit of God. And this time, this time that they come across this place, this place of where there's no water and they're complaining, and God then gives Moses direction to take that rod in the presence of the elders of Israel and to smite that rock, to hit that rock. And then water came from that rock, miraculously. And they saw the power of God. Amen? They saw that God was the one that would provide for them. They saw it wasn't necessarily just, you know, good planning or just good luck. Or This was God using Moses in order to smite the rock and perform a miracle so that water could be produced from the rock so that they could be refreshed by the water, so that they could drink once again in this desert place, in this place where there shouldn't have been any water, from something that shouldn't produce water. Yet this rock produced water. This rock had water coming out of it once Moses had hit it with the rod. And this was the first of Moses' three classic rock hits. The first of his three big classic rock hits and this one was a good hit it was a good hit it was a hit that was commanded by God he was being obedient to God and because of that the nation of Israel was blessed even though they had chided with Moses God is always gracious to us amen how many times have we seen in our lives when we've complained and we've had a whinge to God and we've started to stomp our feet and chuck a little bit of a hissy fit or a tantrum. But God has come through for us, amen? Despite the fact that we've been like pesky children, that we've been, you know, complaining and not thankful and not grateful for the things that we have and not trusting that God will meet our every need. But instead we start to whinge and complain. And yet God is still faithful. God is still gracious to us. Amen. Let's thank God for that. Amen. Let's thank God for his grace toward us. Despite our shortcomings. Despite how many times we fail him. Despite how sometimes we may be unthankful, ungrateful. Yet he still comes through for us. Then the next two classic rock hits that we see from Moses come in Numbers chapter 20 verse 7 to 13 and if you could turn there and read with me Numbers chapter 20 verse 7 to 13 
we see, and this is later, this is almost 40 years later from that first rock hit that Moses had. He had his next two hits. That's a big gap between hits. That, that, that's, you know, he had his first hit and then nothing and then another two hits later on. That's a revival in his uh, music career, but it wasn't very good for Moses. We see, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, take the rod. So take the rod. Notice he says, take the rod. So it's a very similar thing to what he was commanded to do back in Horeb. Take the rod, gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock. We read that, speak ye unto the rock before their eyes and it shall give forth his water and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock so thou shalt give the congregation and the beast drink and their beast drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. Yep, that's good, tick, he's done that. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. Tick, yep, he's following the plan so far. And he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? So he's angry, Moses. He's annoyed. He's had enough. And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. X fail wrong incorrect he's gone off the plan he was told to do what to the rock to speak to the rock and yet he's he's gone and done his own thing and he's hit the rock not just once but twice because he was angry because he was annoyed he decided to do it the way that he had done it before he had hit the rock 40 years earlier in horror but this time he was commanded to speak to the rock and instead he hit the rock twice. These are the next two classic hits from Moses. But they're bad hits. They're not good hits. They're failures because he wasn't supposed to do it. He was supposed to obey the word of the Lord and speak to the rock. And, it's, and moving on it says, And the Lord spoke unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believe me not, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. See, this was important that he was to do this because it was going to sanctify the Lord. I mean, the Lord's already clean. He doesn't need any sanctification. But it was to sanctify the Lord in the eyes or the perspective of the Israelites, in how they viewed God. Because again, they were whinging, they were complaining, they were upset. They were like, oh, we're dying of thirst out here. Here we go again. And yet God wanted to prove himself once more and to sanctify himself in their sight, in their eyes, in their attitude, in their perspective. And instead, Moses took out his aggression on them. Moses took out, he, 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 he lost his temper on them and he hit the rock twice. And because of this and reading on, it says, And therefore... Ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. This is the water of Meribah. Again, we, that means contention or strife. 
because the children of Israel strove with the Lord and he, and he was sanctified in them. So the Lord was still sanctified. There was nothing stopping the Lord from being sanctified in their sight. However, Moses was denied the promise of entering the promised land. He was denied that privilege. So we have these three times where Moses hit the rock. These three classic rock hits. And his first rock hit was in Horeb. A hit that led to that blessing. But here we see these next two hits. These hits in Kadesh. These hits that blessed Israel. It blessed the people. They got water. It wasn't like Moses did it and there was no water. God still came through for his people. God still supplied their need, even despite Moses' disobedience. Even despite Moses losing his temper and not being obedient to the Lord, God still came through for them. God had told Moses to speak unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth water. Speak unto the rock. Moses allowed his anger and his frustration with the people to cause him to lose his temper, to lose control and lead him to sin. He lost control and it led him to sin. What may have worked for you before in the past isn't necessarily going to work for you the same way again. We need to be obedient to God and Moses was disobedient at this time. As uh, our pastor said last week, we're, we're on this journey, you know, and uh, sometimes things are going to make us angry. Sometimes things are going to make us frustrated. You know, we're, we're pilgrims on a journey. We're not nomads that just wander around and around and around. We have a destination. We have somewhere that we need to get to. It might be taking us some time. There might be some diversions. We might not go the, the, the shortest possible route, but we have to follow the cloud in order to get there. And we're neither hermits either. We're not, we're not hiding in the same spot and trying to keep ourselves safe or disinfected from the world. No, we're, we're out there. We're preaching the gospel. We're sharing the love of God with others, with those that need salvation. And on this journey, things are going to happen and cause us to get mad, cause us to become angry. It's going to tempt us into sin. And we're reminded of the verse in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. It says, be ye angry and sin not. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath or wrath depending on which part of Australia you're from. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Don't let the sun go down upon your anger. You know, sometimes we're going to get angry, but don't hold on to that anger. Because if you hold on to it for long enough and you let it build up and boil and boil and boil, eventually you're going to do something stupid. Eventually you may become bitter. And hold on to that. And when you, you know, they've got those um, sayings, you should never 
Like if you have an argument with your wife or your husband, you should never go to bed before you resolve it. Try to resolve it before you go to sleep because you're not going to sleep very well for a start. And um, it just helps to stop any bitterness and unforgiveness from starting to you know, build up and things for to escalate and start to develop and a root of bitterness to start to grow. It's good to get that dealt with before you go to sleep. You have a better night's sleep. You, know, you might have a cry and a prayer and something and you'll sleep like a baby. But if you go to bed and you still got that anger in you, you're not going to sleep well. You know, toss and turn and worry and concern. But don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Don't hold on to anger. It's not worth it. You know, be, be happy as much as you can be. We can't be happy all the time. Obviously, you know, if we, you know, something bad happens in our lives, we're not expected always to be happy. But we're always to have joy. Amen? And joy and happiness are two different things. Happiness is dependent on happenings. But joy is something permanent. It's something that God gives us, that underlying strength, that we know that whatever happens in this life, we can trust in the Lord, that the Lord is with us, that he'll never forsake us, that he, he'll look after us every step of the way, that he has our needs met, that he has our back. We can depend on him. So be angry, but sin not. Yes, you might get angry, but don't sin. And don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Weymouth, in his version, in his English, early English version, he says, if angry, beware of sinning. Because it's when you're angry, that's when you're, you're in a dangerous place. You're in a place where you're, you can be easily tempted into sin and we see that throughout the bible we see that with cain he was angry and that's when he sinned you know anger was at the door you know sin lieth at the door because he was angry he wouldn't let go he wouldn't forgive and here we see moses was angry and because of his anger with the israelite complaints he took the matter into his own hands him and aaron and moses disregarded god's direction and failed to direct the people of God in loving care for them. And Moses remembered striking that rock 40 years earlier and vented his anger without regard for God's instructions. Speak unto the rock. Speak unto the rock before their eyes and it will give forth its water. As Moses and Aaron were punished for their wrong, they weren't allowed to go into the promised land. God's people, you know, they may have to live with the consequences of their poor decisions or impulsive actions. So even though we might have salvation eventually, we might make it to that new Jerusalem, it doesn't mean that in this life we can't have repercussions for bad decisions that we make. They still come. They still come in this life. If we do the wrong thing, you know, you might, and I might be hyperbolic here, but if you were to uh, say, you know, get so angry that you were to assault someone, you know, and really give them a hiding, you could end up in prison. Now, you might repent of that, 
and still make it to heaven, but nothing's going to change the fact that you're going to go to prison because you committed a crime and there's consequences. And then you end up with a criminal record, all because you lost your temper one day, all because you didn't take control of your temper and you lost control. And in a similar way, you know, Moses and Aaron were denied that opportunity to make it into the promised land. However, we know that Moses is written in the in the book of faith, in the chapter of faith, Hebrews 11, in the hall of faith. And we know that Moses, we're, we're confident that Moses will be there in eternal life, even though he was punished for this action. God still provides access to the waters of spiritual life, even when we're disobedient. Even if he has to punish us for disobedience, he will still give us that water of spiritual life, of eternal life. God knows that no one can stand before God if every mistake were recorded and not forgiven. You know, I wrote a post today, or it's just a thought that I had, and it's kind of related to this, and it, it says, Panic and powerful emotions rarely lead to good decisions. When we panic, when we're overwhelmed with anger or frustration or even sadness, we can do some really silly things. We can make some really poor decisions. You see it throughout life. You see it throughout, I listen to a, a lot of military history podcasts and you see when people panic, they make really bad decisions on the, on the, on the military field. And um, the same thing happens in life. Panic or anger or extreme sadness, extreme depression, it can lead to really dumb choices which may have permanent consequences. Consequences that cannot be changed. Consequences that can't be reversed because we acted on impulse, because we acted in panic, because we acted on emotion. We have to ensure that in this journey as pilgrims, as we're going toward the promised land, that we don't allow our emotions or our fears to grip us or overtake us or cause us to do things that ultimately disobey God. Because it may have long-lasting effects, things that may change our life forever. But despite that, God is always there, willing to forgive. No matter what we do, he's willing to forgive, but always offering us that grace. That water out of the rock, despite the fact that we fail him, that water still comes out of the rock. Sure, we might rob ourselves of a blessing through our own stupidity or acting disobediently because we were consumed by our passions, but he will still offer us that eternal life. Just got a bit of a story here for you. In 1984 and... I've got a video if that's ready, but in 1984, the Liverpool FC, who's a, a, a soccer or football team in England, you may or may not have heard of, uh, they played AS Roma in the European Cup final in 1984 in the city of Rome, the final was held. And uh, the game finished in a one-all draw. And so it went to extra time and... It was still one all at the end of extra time. Is this video up? Oh, wait, stop, stop, stop. Pause, pause. Don't play the music. 
I could I didn't know how to get rid of the music on that thing. I'm not very good with the video editing. But um we'll just pause it there. So the scene is 1984, European Cup final in Rome between Liverpool and AS Roma. Finishes one all at the end of extra time. So they have to go to a penalty shootout. So if you don't know about soccer or or football, as the rest of the world calls it. Um, if in these finals, or you'll see in the World Cup as well, normally if it's just a normal league game or something like that, they just get to the end and it's a draw and, you know, everybody goes home. But if it's a final, they have to have a winner. So if they don't have a result at the end of extra time, it goes then to a penalty shootout. And you have basically these shots in front of goal and uh, you take turns, each side has a turn. So, you know, one side will come up and they get to shoot against their goalie and then the next side comes up and they get to shoot against their goalie. And, you know, basically it gets to a point where if the other team can't beat the other team, you only get a, a certain amount of shots, then that's the winner. Finally, who wins the penalty shootout wins the, uh, the final, wins the game overall. So the penalties were two all. And Ian Rush stepped up, as we saw just earlier, and he, uh, and he scored, which put Liverpool up 3-2 in the penalties. And then we see the goalkeeper for Liverpool, Bruce Grobelar. So he's the guy in the green shirt. He's a Zimbabwean and he's a bit, a bit loopy. Um, and he steps up to the goal, to be the goalie, to try and save the next goal, the next penalty. And... Uh, Francesco Graziani, he comes up to uh, try to score Roma's third penalty so he could equal it at 3-all. But then Grobola does something that was never seen before in sort of professional top-end football and, uh, well, definitely not at this level. And if we play the video, he does this thing here which was later called the spaghetti legs. And... Nothing had ever been seen like that before and it threw Graziani off and Graziani missed the goal and uh, this spaghetti legs became famous. This action of Bruce Grobola doing the spaghetti legs and then uh, Liverpool came up, Kennedy was the next one that came up and Alan Kennedy then hit the penalty and Liverpool won the 90... Stop. Let's stop if we can. Stop there. Uh, and Liverpool won the 1984 European Cup final. In 2005, Liverpool once again made the European Cup grand, uh, final. And uh, this time it's called the UEFA Champions League. They changed the name of it, but it's the same thing. It's where all the clubs in Europe play each other and eventually all the top clubs, all the ones that finish high on their tables within their country, then they play each other... For, uh, clubs from other countries in Europe and then they, you know, whoever's left play each other in the final and the, the final was in Istanbul, Turkey and it was between Liverpool as I said but this time another Italian team, AC Milan and uh, AC Milan who spent much, much more money on their players they had way, way better roster than Liverpool and Liverpool were kind of the underdogs playing AC Milan and uh, AC Milan went into half-time at 3-0 up. They were ahead 3-0. 
And in if you're a rugby league fan or, or a rugby fan, that would be, well, in rugby league terms, that would be like 18 nil, you know, which is uh, pretty much, you know, you would think, yeah, that team's going to win. But Liverpool managed to come back and in the space of six minutes, they scored three goals. Gerard, Smicer and Sharby scored three goals and uh, it went to three all. And so then the, uh, they went to extra time because it was a draw, so it went to extra time. And the uh, Liverpool goalie, with three minutes to go in extra time, the Liverpool goalie, who was a Polish guy by the name of Jersey uh, Dudek, he, he saved the goal, uh, uh, the um, AC Milan striker Shevchenko, Ukrainian guy, probably their best striker at the time, he, he shot and Dudek saved it and then it bounced off Dudek's hand and then like five metres in front, Shevchenko tries to hit it again and it should have gone in and Dudek saves it again. He did a double save within a second. It was just amazing. And so they go to, to a penalty shootout because it's still three all at the end of time. And then um, Dudek, he's going into goal and a, another player, Jamie Carragher, who's a Liverpool local, he jumps on Dudek's back and he whispers in, uh, in Dudek's ear and says... Hey, remember Grobola in 1984? Remember Grobola in 1984? And he's like, well, what are you talking about? He goes, the spaghetti legs. The spaghetti le- Do the spaghetti legs. And so Dudek does the spaghetti legs. And uh, if we play the, the rest of this clip and we see Shevchenko, this was to win the, you know, to make sure that Liverpool wouldn't win. He was doing all sorts of spaghetti legs before that and Liverpool won the game. And again, were champions, European champions for the fifth time. So, what I wanted to say was sometimes people tell us to do some things that make absolutely no sense. So, you know, sometimes you do what you've been trained to do all the time, which Dudek was trained to stand still and move to whichever way he thought the ball was going to go. But this time he started doing this and this and this. And it threw Shevchenko off and he managed to uh, fake and go the right way. And the other two goals before that, he managed to uh, put off the, uh, the AC Milan players so that they would miss their goals. So sometimes you do what you're trained to do and sometimes you listen to Jamie Carragher who tells you to do the spaghetti legs. And God sometimes tells us to do things that go against what we think is logical that goes against what we think should be the right way to do. Strange instructions, things that don't fit the way things were done before. Sometimes what God is telling us to do may not make sense in our frame of mind or what we're used to. And here Moses was told to speak to the rock. I mean, it was amazing that he was told to hit the rock before and it happened. But you see, maybe he had more faith for that to happen because he had seen that before. Forty years earlier, he had smote the rock and he had seen the water come out. So he thought, rather than listen to God, speak to the rock? How can a rock hear me? Maybe he was thinking that. This is the guy that spoke to a burning bush. But for whatever reason, in his anger, in his passion... He decided not to follow through with what God had told him to do. 
and to speak to that rock. And sometimes God will tell us to do something that might seem a little bit unusual. Obviously, it needs to be in line with his word. But sometimes it it might go against what our normal routine is, what we've normally been doing, our normal habit or our normal routine. Sometimes God will want us to change it, do something different, make a breakthrough, break out of our normal routine and do something extra special, maybe make an extra sacrifice, maybe step out by faith, just like Moses was meant to and speak to the rock instead of hitting it. Something that we have never seen before, something that we have never done before, God wants us to step out. Moses was told to speak to the rock, but it didn't fit his previous experience. Perhaps it seemed too easy. It didn't definitely align with how he felt. He felt like hitting something because he was mad, because he was angry. You ever felt like hitting Have you ever hit something because you're angry? You know, the story of young boys, you know, punching holes in fibro walls and maybe going to hospital after um, with broken hands. I don't know if any of you guys have been there. I certainly hope not. I would never expect that from any of you and... Um, I remember um, smashing my sister's guitar once when I was. She was very. She's still upset about it. She still like brings it up every now and then. Remember when you broke my guitar? I was angry. I don't know what I was angry about, but I uh, broke this acoustic guitar. But yes, when we're angry, we feel like hitting things. And Moses hit something. He hit that rock twice. Moses was disobedient, and the rest is history. Moses got to see a supernatural panoramic view of the promised land from atop the Mount of uh, Abarim, but he never got to enter in. And Christ, he is the true rock. Amen? He is the true rock. He is the rock of our foundation. He is the cornerstone that was rejected, that the builders rejected. Christ He is the true rock and Christ was smitten once for our sins. He was hit once for our sins. When they speared his side, water and blood came out. Just like that rock in the wilderness, water came out of the rock that is Jesus Christ. The revelation is Jesus Christ. Upon the rock of Jesus Christ, The church is built. That is the truth. The truth of who Jesus is. And Jesus Christ is that rock. Amen? Jesus is the rock. He is the rock in the wilderness. He was smitten once for our sins. Never needed to be smitten again. He is the most classic rock hit of all time. That classic rock hit of Calvary. The whole of our calendar is based around. That seems to be the centerpiece of history. That everything before pointed to and that everything after points back to the cross. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 to 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 
verse 1 to 5, it says, Moreover, brethren, I would not have you be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptised unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. See, we're baptised in the cloud and in the sea. We're baptised in the cloud when we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, baptised in the Spirit. Spirit and cloud, spirit and breath, they're interchangeable. And in the sea, when we're baptised in the water, amen, we need to be baptised in the water and in the Spirit, just like they were with Moses. And did all eat of the same spiritual meat, and did all drink of the same spiritual drink, what drink was that? For they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them. The spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. That rock in the wilderness that followed them. They came across this rock that gave forth water twice. Once at Horeb and once at Kadesh. Forty years apart. But that rock followed them. And that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. That rock was Christ. Amen. When he has been smitten for our sins, water came out of his side. And we, from that, have spiritual life. We drink of that spiritual life, that spiritual water that will give us eternal life. Amen. Hallelujah. Also, we need the water of the word. We need the sustenance of the washing of God's word. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, it says, And that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Jesus is our rock that we can drink of, that, and that drink is a spiritual drink. You know, water is essential for the survival of everything on this earth. If you don't have water, you don't... You don't water the plants, they die. You don't, obviously animals, they need water. Everything needs water in order to live on this earth. Even those uh, microbes that grow near the volcanoes under the sea, they're under the sea, they need water. Everything needs water. And it's amazing to think that this water comes from the sky. It's like manna, but it's liquid. It just amazingly comes out of the sky and obviously, you know, we have weather patterns that cause, you know, climactic, causes the weather, you know. We have summer and winter and autumn and spring and all these things depending on the tilt of the earth, you know. But ultimately, ultimately God can either give or hold back that water. He can choose to hold back that water or he can choose to give it. And ultimately it's God that gives every blessing. But water is an amazing thing. But water is also not just necessary for physical survival, but it's necessary for, human, for salvation by means of baptism. Amen. And if we could all be upstanding. In John chapter 3, verse 5, it says, And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Born of the water and of the Spirit. We need to be born of the water and of the Spirit. I don't know if there's anyone here in the 50 or so that we're hopefully under 50 um, that are here 
that has never been born again, that has never been baptised, never gone through the water like Moses and the Israelites did when they passed through the Red Sea. If you've never been baptised in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, if you believe in Jesus, if you believe that he is the Son of God, just like the Ethiopian eunuch with Philip. Philip asked him, do you believe? And he said, yes, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. He goes, well, you can be baptised. Nothing's stopping you then. If you've received the Holy Spirit, then, well, obviously you believe. Then you should be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ. You need to be born of the water and born of the Spirit. We need Jesus as we pass on this journey, this pilgrimage through the wilderness of sin. Now, the wilderness of sin, as it talked about in the Bible, that word sin has nothing to do with the way we use sin in English. The word just means thorny or something like that. But what a, what a coincidence it is, though, that that wilderness is called the wilderness of sin. And we travel through this world of sin, this pilgrimage on our way to the promised land. But here's our rock that was smitten once for our sin. And if we speak to the rock, not hit against the rock, but if we speak to the rock, not hit against it in our frustration, not hit against that rock with our doubt or our anger or our disobedience, but we speak to that rock in faith, then the waters of sustenance and salvation will give us life even spirit and life. John 6, 63 says, The words that I speak unto you, this is Jesus speaking, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Amen. We, we've got to live by the water of the word. We need the water of Jesus in our life. We need that rock to follow us. Amen. To keep us going in the wilderness. That rock that was smitten once for all sin for our salvation. Come give it to the Lord tonight. If you want to spend some time with the Lord, if you've been disobedient perhaps to God, we need to be obedient to God. Even when we're distressed, depressed, perplexed, we need to be obedient to the Lord. We don't, we can't allow the frustrations and the, the turmoil in this life and the, the issues and the things that come up. And they'll come up for sure. Things will make us mad. Things will make us angry. Things will make us disappointed. Things will make us sad. Things will challenge us. But we can't allow that to cause us to become disobedient to God. We can't allow that to cause us to sin. Hallelujah. We need to be obedient. If you need to spend some time with the Lord, if you want some prayer, this altar is open. Come. If you just want to pray in your seat and you'd rather no one pray with you, that's fine. You can pray in your seat. However, if you want anyone to pray with you, and we will do it in a, in a way that you know, maintains distancing in a safe way. We can pray with you at the front today, tonight. Come and spend some time with the Lord. If you need you know, help, you're going through a trial and it's hard for you. It's hard for you to, to keep your head through this trial. Come, spend some time with the Lord. He will give you strength. Speak to the rock. Speak to that rock. And that water will come flowing. 
Hallelujah. Spend some time with the Lord. Thank you.